If you want 2024 to be your best running year, it is essential you have a customized training plan tailored to your race schedule and ability level. That's why I'm pumped to have Motive sponsoring the podcast. You can use the app for free, but if you want two months of premium access, you can use code SMARTER2. Sign up at mymotive.com. The link will be in the show notes. On today's episode, strength and conditioning progressions and modifications. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Thank you for joining me once again. Hopefully you're getting excited and winding down for the festive season. Uh, as the title describes, this is a patron release. Um, I did this a while ago. I actually went back through the audio. It might have been February, but I um, recognized that there's a fair bit of an echo. So it must have been when I relocated to my office and had nothing, no furniture or anything in the office or any like rug or you know, acoustic panels like I do now. So um, yeah, it must've been a while ago. If you're unfamiliar, so every month, uh, an exclusive Run Smarter Podcast episode gets released to just patrons who contribute five Australian dollars per month. And they just say thanks, thanks, um, and offer that support. And I like to give them benefits. And so it is on the Run Smarter app where the patrons can receive these um, episodes. There's, I think, approaching 30 now. So you can go binge. Anyone who just signs up to become a patron now can just binge all 30 of those episodes. And they also jump into the exclusive patron Facebook group where there's just over 100 of us now. And we go through um, polls on what episode they, sh- they want to hear next. Uh, if I have a guest on, uh, I ask them first any questions that you want to um, ask my guest. And if there's a lack of questions coming in, or if I feel like I need a few more questions, then that's when I open it up to sort of the main Run Smarter Facebook group. So yeah, if you're ever interested, if you like the idea of those benefits, and if you want to show your support, a link to become a patron is in every show notes of every episode. Um, Very easy to sign up, and then you can start listening to those exclusive episodes episodes that we have coming up. I think I might do another Q&A. They, they seem to be resonating very well with you, um, just paying attention to the downloads. And um, it's very easy for me to help people and know what sort of topics to cover because they're the questions that you're asking. And so I put it out there, answer some questions. I love answering questions. And the downloads seem to be a little bit higher with each and every 
Q&A episode. So more than happy to deliver that. Maybe we do that over the, the festive season. Okay, today we're going through strength and conditioning progressions, modifications, particularly around squats, lunges, calf raises, and deadlifts. Hope you enjoy. Let's take it away. This one seems to be quite popular amongst the um, discussion poll. And as I look at it now, I'll click my vote as well. So I've got 24 votes for strength training progression ideas with the, um, which is double what the second favorite is. So let's get started. Let's talk about some progression ideas. Um, I wanted to cover, cause there's so many exercises we can talk about, right? I wanted to cover squats, lunges, deadlifts, calf raises, because they are always the main four that every runner should have in their strength training. It's if you wanted the most minimalist approach to strength training, if you want to get the most bang for your buck, if you're just focused on injury prevention and running performance, you need to have squats, you need to have lunges, you need to have deadlifts, and you need to have calf raises. So I'm going to go through those today. I'm going to go through progressions, variations, just different ideas, sort of my preferences um, as well. And like I said, there's hundreds of exercises, but there's also hundreds of variations to these exercises. Um, some that could challenge your balance, some that could just have more equipment, Swiss balls, TheraBands, you know, the exercises that I post on across social media every week. Like there's so many different things you can do to make it more fun, make it more challenging. And we could go on for hours, but I've decided to pick some progressions and variations that are kind of like the most relevant for running, for building up the performance and that self-focus. Cause I think that's what's what the majority of people are wanting to do. And if I was to do an exercise as a variation that kind of challenges your balance and makes it more fun. Yes, it, that could be a nice variety, but it's not going to get you anywhere when it comes to running performance. So the modifications and things I've put in here are solely directed towards that. Hopefully that suits you. Um, another thing, I am not a strength and conditioning coach. Um, most of my awareness from here comes from my own experience in the gym, my own experience with CrossFit and my uh, detailed like upbringing with rehab. So from a rehab perspective, from my own personal experiences, I'm sure if a strength and conditioning coach were to listen to this, they, they might have a few other ideas, but this is just based on the knowledge that I know because <laughs> I can't know anything else. Um, I don't want to make this too complicated for you because I will be coming up with a, a suggesting a whole bunch of different varieties of say a squat don't feel overwhelmed and feel like you have to do all these things. I do think you can just stick to the basics. And if something is too easy, if something is too difficult, if something is too boring and you're just looking for variety, then you can just pick and choose a few adjustments. You don't have to do all of these things and say, oh, Brody thinks I should do, you know, all these variations in order to become a better runner. You can just stick to the basics. Like I say, you can just do your standard squats, lunges, deadlifts, calf raises, if you wanted to see performance, uh, if you want to see benefits in your running performance. But like I say, if it's if your current exercises are either too hard, they're too easy, or you're just kind of bored of them and looking for some variety, because we know that's important as well. You want to enjoy doing your strength and conditioning and we don't want to become complacent. Uh, then you can just make a few adjustments. So with that said, uh, let's start with squats. First of all, uh, 
if you wanted to focus on purely performance side of things and you are familiar with your squats, then a way to increase your squats and do so to increase your running performance is to increase the weight. I'm going to say that with all these exercises, just to drill it in, you patrons are probably familiar. You should be familiar with all the strength episodes that I have had in the past. Um, Heavy strength training leads to better running performance. And with that said, I think if you wanted to increase the weight, I think the best way to do that is with back squats, particularly with a barbell. So the barbell is just that big bar that goes across the back of your shoulders, um, behind or below your neck and across your, your shoulders. That's probably the best way to apply weights safely. Uh, if you were to just have dumbbells and do squats with dumbbells, you need really heavy weights. It's going to be very hard to hold on to those weights and it's just going to be uncomfortable. So get used to the barbell, increase the weights. Um, and you will need like a squat rack for that. You do need like the, the hooks to take the bar off and put the bar on instead of like trying to pick it up from the floor and put it behind your back, especially once you start getting heavy. All right. Um, things that you can change some, some variety or modifications is you can change the depth of your squat. So you can still get some benefits if you go heavy and your body is used to doing that amount of heaviness and you only do half squats, particularly if you're not used to doing full squats, if the body isn't used to it, if the back gets a little bit sore, if the hips get a little bit stiff and you're relatively new to that particular exercise, you can do half squats. And if it's heavy and if you get the right amount, you can still reap the rewards, probably not as much as full depth squats, but still enough, reap enough rewards when it comes to running and the benefits. What I have found, because particularly my hips get a little bit tight. Um, I think I do have a little bit of FAI in my hip, but widening my stance, widening my feet and sort of turning them out a little bit, like 10, 15 degrees that opens up my hips a little bit more. And I can do a full depth squat after that. And that took a bit of practice that took a little bit of mobility work and just doing more and more squats allowed me to be more comfortable with deeper and deeper ranges. Uh, but I do know runners who are particularly stiff in their hips, like not the, not like the muscles are stiff, but just the joint itself just lacks mobility. If that is you try widening the hips, but even if you try widening your stance and you're still struggling to get full range of movement, just keep in mind if, even if it's a half to three quarters depth, um, you can still reap some rewards. You can still gain some rewards. It's better doing that than not doing it at all. Um, the other thing I'll say is once you do progress the weights and you start um, getting heavier, just be careful of the rest of the body. Be careful of like your back. Um, not necess- A lot of people focus on like their knees and hips and say, oh, the hips and knees feel okay. Um, therefore, I should progress. But just keep in mind if the back starts getting sore, either check your technique um, or make sure you progress accordingly because the body needs to adapt to those particular progressions, like anything, if you, you wouldn't run, get used to running a 50K week and then all of a sudden the next week do 100Ks. We need the body to adapt to slowly tolerate those increases in load. We do exactly the same when we're in the gym. Um, I've also found that once I got heavier with my squats, with my back squats, that um, focusing on my breathing was 
quite important. Sort of like bracing my, I don't like saying core, but sort of um, bracing my abdomen and my um, torso with holding my breath, like at, at the very, very bottom. So I'd breathe in on my way down. I'd sort of hold my breath sort of at the very bottom as I come back up. And then I'd start breathing out halfway up the top and sort of complete my breath out at the very top. And I found that worked wonders for my back. I felt more, I felt stronger in that hardest phase of the exercise. That was a a tip from my CrossFit coach. And I have had low back pain since like my teens and found that I was just a lot more comfortable doing that. So that was only became a problem once I started getting heavier, like um, squatting my body weight or more. Um, So yeah, it worked really well for me. It might work well for you if you're finding that same issue that I was having. Okay, squats, other modifications. You can do box squats, which essentially you have the barbell, you're in standing. When you squat down, you have a, a plyo box or something behind you so that when your bum, when your glutes just touch that box, you come back up. You don't sit on the box. It's just there just to provide a bit of support to say, okay, now's the time to come back up. And that's for people who are just practicing, for people who um, just want to control the depth of their squat and maybe only do a quarter squat or half a squat. And it's just a good way to control that and feel like you have um, consistent depth every time. You can do goblet squats, which is quite nice for people starting out if they're um, not used to the bar, if they want to do a bit of, um, they start wanting to apply a little bit of weight, but still not enough that you require the barbell. Uh, And it is essentially just holding usually a a dumbbell or a kettlebell just at your chest. So palms together, fingertips up towards the ceiling and just having holding onto that kettlebell or dumbbell. And you can just uh, Google an image of that. You just type in goblet squats, go to images, and you can just see everyone in that particular pose. Uh, that can be helpful for people starting out front squats. So back squats are with the barbell, um, across your shoulders. A front squat is with the bar in front of your chest, like on your collarbones and your elbows sort of pointing outwards. Um, if you want to do that, I'd say it's a bit more for experienced, uh, lifters, but if you want to get used to that, or you are already used to that, it's designed to work more of the quads rather than the whole entire leg or just slightly bias the quads, I guess you could say. I don't have a lot of experience with front squats, but um, I would say that your wrists, your elbows, your shoulders do need to be used to being in that position with that amount of weight. So keep that in mind. If you want to bias your quads slightly, then doing some front squats would be a nice variation. Then we can move into, say, tempo. We can change the tempo if you wish. Uh, So once you're quite experienced with your back squats and you're sort of doing the normal tempo of going down two seconds, up two seconds, down two seconds, up two seconds, then you can play around with a little bit and sort of do a down. Usually with performance, when we come to propulsion, uh, we can do the eccentric phase slowly and then we can do the concentric phase a little bit quicker. So for the squat... That could be going down three seconds, up one second, down three seconds, up one second. So you're spending more time in the eccentric phase. So that lengthening phase, that's what our tendons really love. And then the concentric phase coming up is more of that propulsion producing force. 
and that can be more for propulsion and that's quicker and your muscles and tendons can get used to producing that force in a quick, quicker time. So that variation can be in there. If you are experienced with squats and you did want to change it up a little bit and, you know, sort of get a little bit more specific towards running, that can be done. And then also um, you've got uh, plyo sort of things. So I usually recommend you aren't a template. So your training shouldn't be either. The Motive app takes training plans written by the best coaches in the world, then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. It's such a good idea, which is why it is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world and has thousands of age group athletes signing up every month with a near perfect 4.9 star rating. It will even plan triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, and other events if you're branching away from running races. You can use the app for free for as long as you want, with the premium access being just $19.99 per month. But if you use code SMARTER2, you can get two months of full premium access. Sign up through their website, mymotive.com, and make 2024 your best year yet. For strength and conditioning, um, most of the time should be, sent do, should be spent doing mostly slow, heavy stuff. But then like 10 to 15% of the time, you can do some plyo stuff. And the variations or plyo stuff you can do for squats is you could do box jumps. So just jumping from the floor up onto a box. It's not necessarily a squat, it's just a jump, but you're using the same muscles, you're sort of using the same movements of the hips, the knees, the ankles, and then producing that same force in that same direction. Uh, Or another CrossFit one is wall balls. So getting that um, heavy, big medicine ball, doing a squat, um, and then launching that ball into the air, having it touch the wall, and on its way down, you catch it into a squat, and then you quickly just drop down to the squat, launch back up and throw that ball back up into the air. And so you're just going through that motion, very fast propulsion style in that same squat kind of position. And um, there are also sumo squats. I haven't had a lot of experience with sumo squats. Um, I think it's just a wider stance and a wider turnout of the feet. I do know there are sumo deadlifts as well, um, which again, don't have much experience with, but Um, Let's move into the deadlifts. So actually, let's do a recap of those squats. So if you want to increase performance, increase the weight. You do have my recommendation, the back squats with the barbell and just doing, say, three sets of eight to 12 um, and progress to the point where you can tolerate quite heavy stuff. If you want to change the, the range of movement, you can. You can do that with a box behind you and just squat just until you touch that box and come back up. Um, front squats if you want to bias the quads and then you can play around with the tempo of it if once you're more experienced and if you want to do the plyo stuff box jumps wobbles are a good option okay deadlifts again if you want to do deadlifts for performance you want to increase the weight once the body allows uh, I did say the squats maybe sometimes the back might get a bit sore same with deadlifts deadlifts works the back works the glutes and works the hamstrings and I have a lot of um, PHT clients who I always get them to do deadlifts and sometimes their tendons respond really well and they want to keep progressing but sometimes they're like yeah my tendons feeling really good and really happy really want to get involved in heavier stuff but my back's a little bit stiff and sore and you check their technique their check technique is okay 
and you say your body just needs to get used to the deadlifts first. And by the body, we now mean the back, not the tendon. So the rest of the body needs to adjust. Um, Okay, variations. You have a traditional deadlift, which is you have the weights on the floor. You sort of get into a deadlift position before you pick up the weights. And then the movement starts by picking up the weight into that full extended position. Then you deadlift it back down, place it on the floor, and that's your rep. So that's a standard variation, picking it up from the floor, finishing it with it on the floor. A Romanian deadlift is when you have the barbell at your hip crease, so you're upright in standing. Uh, Most people, I think most people are used to this. They think that the deadlift is, um, this is the traditional one, but it's actually, this is the Romanian deadlift, picking it up um, and starting your set from the standing position. So the barbell is across your hip crease, and then you sit back into that deadlift position and then come back up and you, once you finish that up phase, that counts as one rep. So you have that, um, and then you also have those sumo deadlifts, which is picking it up from the floor, um, doing that deadlift action, but you're more turned out, feet are more turned out, the knees are turned out, and I think that just works. It activates the glutes a little bit more, but I think it stretches and works the, the adductors a little bit more as well. Um, like I said, don't have much experience with it. I think I did it once when I was um, at my CrossFit gym, but yeah. Some modifications you can do for the deadlifts. I just like a nice Romanian deadlift, getting strong, focusing on form and just progressing that. But if you want to change up the variety, we do have um, changing the range of movement, especially if you're starting out. Like, And if you, if you are going through some sort of rehab, usually going heavier and just keeping like a half deadlift, you'll, you'll start to reap a lot more reward a lot quicker and then eventually, once you get used to the range of movement, then you can move into three quarters and uh, full range deadlifts. But um, yeah, you can play around with the range of movement. I usually think that a quarter range of movement, if you're doing a Romanian deadlift and starting in the upright position, I usually think that a quarter is just getting above the knees. I think that half is just below the knees. Three quarters is like halfway past, halfway down the shins and then full range is just weights onto the floor, um, weights touching the floor, I should say. So that's just my general gist of it. Um, similar to the squats, if you wanted to change the variety, then you can change the speed and the changing the speed is the same. It would be, you know, slow eccentric. So we're doing that Romanian deadlift and starting in the upright position, you would slowly lower yourself down. So take about three seconds and then one to two seconds back up. So down one, two, three, up one, down one, two, three, up one. And again, nicely tailored for running because we're absorbing that eccentric phase and then we're explosive with the concentric phase. Um, Other modifications or progressions, if you want to do something that was plyometric based or power based. Um, well, I guess the power comes from that tempo stuff. So you're, um, incorporating some power with that slow eccentric, fast concentric phase, but you can also do kettlebell swings. That's one of my faves. Um, because when you do that kettlebell swing, you sit back in that deadlift position 
and then you produce that force from that deadlift position to swing the kettlebell up. So that's one of uh, my faves. You can do so with um, heavier stuff. Uh, I know once your back is strong enough and once your technique is fine, I've seen people do really, really heavy stuff once they get that momentum of that, that pendulum swing. And I know from my experience, if I do a lot of kettlebell swings, my glutes, my hammies, they just feel really sore the next day, which feels awesome. Um, you can also do single leg deadlifts. Um, I, I do single leg deadlifts for my rehab patients. Um, that is like challenging the balance a little bit, but you know, single leg balance activates the glutes a little bit more. And, you know, I can feel, I did single leg deadlifts yesterday, um, usually with a kettlebell and it can get quite tricky. I think the deadlift out of all these particular movements is one that needs to be drilled in technique wise quite a lot. Um, single leg deadlifts is, um, the same. So probably YouTube it and then try it out and then make sure that you have someone with you who is familiar with it to make sure you're doing it correctly. But that's a really good option as well. Okay, the lunges. Got a couple of variations here. First of all, if we want to increase performance, drum roll, <laughs> you need to add weights. Like I've said um, for all the others, no exception for the lunges. Some variations. I've seen a lot of variations. Um, one, you can do it what I would call static. So you sort of um, split the legs, one forward, one back into that lunge position. You keep the feet there. You've got uh, hopefully some weights and then you dip down into a lunge and then you come back up and your feet don't move. Your feet stay in that position. They stay cemented to the ground the entire set. But you can also do step forward lunges, which I don't know why I've adopted that, but I it seems to be my favorite, so I've kept with it. Um, so you start with your feet together, then you step forward down into a lunge and then you bring yourself back up and bring your feet together and then you swap legs. <laughs> Uh, you can also, instead of stepping forwards, you can do back lunges and step back, um, dip down, come back up and bring your feet back together, then swap legs. I think the, the backwards step, um, can be done particularly if you've got grumbly knees, particularly if it's a little bit sore, because, um, if you were to step forward, the, um, you need to take a really large step in order for the knee to not pass the toes. But if you take a step forward and go down to a lunge, usually your knee passes your toes, which is fine. It's what I sort of encourage if your knees can tolerate it. But sometimes if someone has a grumbly knee, if they have like patellofemoral pain and they're getting pain with their lunges, then sometimes that back, the backward step um, tends to reduce the range because um, when it gets down to that lunge position, by then your front knee um, won't pass your toes. So can be a nice variation for some. If you're, if you have weights, you would usually do it either with a barbell across your back, or you do it with two dumbbells just, um, dropped by your side, which I think you can still go quite heavy with, um, dumbbells. And if you do that, if you're quite heavy and you're wobbling, um, here and there, like if you find your balance is quite off, I would suggest just to widen your base. So when you wide, when you step forward, if you're doing a forward step, if you step forward, make sure that the distance, you have enough width between your left foot and your right foot. That just creates a more stable base and you would be less wobbly. 
Um, but also keep in mind that every step will be a little bit different. I am not one, especially for lunges. I think for squats, deadlifts where they're quite static, like your feet aren't moving around too much. Um, you know, you can drill down that technique and have good reps every single time. But if you're doing heavy lunges, like there will be a little bit of variety every single step. The, the, the um, variation of your step and what your ankle does and what your knee does and those sort of things, there will be a little bit of variation. And that's okay because when you run, every step will be a little bit different. Every little position of your foot will be a little bit different. And because this is a little bit more um, dynamic, like the, you know, the legs and knees are moving a little bit more, you can offer a little bit of leeway. It doesn't have to be drilled perfect, meticulous every single time. Um, so just keep that in mind. Other variations. So we had the static squat, the front squat, the, uh, the static lunge, the front forward step lunge, the backward step lunge. Now we have also walking lunges. So you take one step with the right foot, you go down to a lunge and then you come back up and you, um, you come back up with a step forward and then you can step forward with your left and walk across the room doing a, a, a lunge every step that has, uh, I've been, I can be quite familiar with it. <laughs> I have done it with several of my workouts. I still do it to this day. Um, I would do lunges, a forward lunge once a week. <clears throat> and then every maybe fortnight or so I'll have a workout that includes some walking lunges. It kicks my butt. It, I really struggle with them, but I love them um, because they are so tough. They're all the kind of varieties um, you can do if you want to progress or have another modification with, um, I guess it could be a progression is a, a rear foot elevated squat or a Bulgarian split squat. They kind of mean the same thing, uh, which is you have one leg behind you and elevated up onto a bench or up onto a step or a box and your other foot in front of you and then you can lunge down with a little bit of a deeper range, a little bit more hip extension and a little bit more weight solely on the front leg. And this is a great exercise for runners um, because it offers that hip extension, offers that glute activation, offers like a really strong um, hamstring and quad workout. And so if you're looking for bank feed buck exercises, the Bulgarian split squat is... Um, yeah, really nice. You can start with body weight. I recommend if you haven't done it before to start with body weight because it's a, a tough exercise and then you can just start adding weights. You can just have um, dumbbells by your side. I do recommend, similar to what I said for the lunges, widen your base of support because a lot of people, when they put their foot up behind them, they sort of put it in line with their front foot and they're sort of in this tandem stance, a really narrow step width and they're just falling all over the place when they do their exercise. So widen that step, uh, widen that base and you'll have a lot more stability and then the freedom to kind of hold on to some weights without rocking all over the place. So that would be quite tough, but it's a good exercise. I would call it a progression from the lunge. Some people call it the, the exercise is completely different, but that's what I've just considered it. And then you have plyo lunges. So I have posted this on um, across my socials in the past couple of weeks, but you know, you go down into a lunge and then during the up phase, your up phase just launches you in the air while you're in the air, you swap the legs over and then you land in a lunge 
but you've swapped the feet. And then you can just repeat that 10 to 15 times, see how much pump you get in the legs. And that can be a really nice um, plyometric variation. Lastly, we have calf raises. Um, so calf raises for performance, I'll let you sing it out loud with me. You need to go heavy. The <coughs> heavier stuff just will equate to sort of the demands of running and constantly see runners who just do body weight calf raises. They think that will suffice. Won't suffice because if you're doing a double leg body weight calf raise, even if it's on a step, that is one calf doing half of your body weight. If you translate that to what the demands of running, it just, it's just, will the demands of running will just surpass, way surpass what is required when you do a double leg calf raise body weight. Um, so it just won't match. You just won't get stronger. You won't increase your running performance if you just do body weight stuff. Some variations. Obviously, you have a double leg calf raise. You also have a single leg calf raise. So any of these other variations, you can do double leg or you could do single leg. Um, you could do straight knee calf raises where you're just upright um, in a perfectly erect posture and then you just do calf raises, whether that be double leg or single leg, or you could do bent knee calf raises and the bent knee has variations as well because you could do a seated bent knee calf raise or you could do a standing bent knee calf raise so the seated well i should start off by saying if you're not familiar already when you bend your knee you are biasing more of the soleus muscle that is within your calf complex your calf actually is two muscles two main muscles i should say um one is the soleus one is the gastrocnemius. The soleus is very, very important for runners. It is the one we work the most. It is one we work the hardest when we run. The gastrocnemius, it works two to three times your body weight. Your soleus, six to eight times your body weight. And so it'd be nice to, um, when we are, well, if you do a straight knee calf raise, you're, you're biasing the gastrocnemius, the two to three times your body weight one. And when you have a bent knee calf raise, you're biasing the soleus, which is the six to eight times your body weight muscle. So it'd be nice to spend a lot more time or at least um, spend some time doing some bent knee calf raises. Your bent knee calf raises can be in the form of a seated calf raise machine where you sit on a machine at the gym and you're almost just sitting down on a chair and you have the weights applied above your knees, like at the very distal part of your thighs. And then you come up into a calf raise and then you come back down. And you're sort of pushing a lot of that weight. Um, that's all like from the tops of your knees up and down. So the knees are almost bent at 90 degrees and that's where you're generating all the power from. But you can also, which takes a little bit of practice, but you can stand, unlock the knees. You don't have to bend them 90 degrees. I just like to unlock them maybe 20 degrees, 15 to 20 degrees. And then you keep them at that 15 to 20 degrees the entire time as you come up into a calf raise and back down. I've got videos of these that I've posted on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, that's what usually I prefer because it's a little bit more um, tailored to the running kind of position because when we take off, when we land during our mid stance, we, ne we never really have the knee completely straight. 
We just have it unlocked and that's where the soleus really works in that slightly unlocked position, that 15 to 20, well, it's more like 10 to 20 um, degrees of flexion. So that's where I usually like to work the calf in that particular angle. So that's my preference. Um, I like doing standing bent knee calf raises weighted once you're able to. Um, either heavy barbell, if you're doing like double leg bent knee calf raises, or you could use a dumbbell if you're doing single leg calf raises. So once a week, I would um, get a barbell, really heavy barbell. At the moment, I'm doing, uh, I think, 75 kilos. So six kilos more than my body weight. And I'm doing, um, I'm holding that bar at my hip crease and I'll um, have walk my toes onto some weighted weight plates so that I, um, my heels drop just below what we call plantar grade, just below the um, level angle and then do bent knee calf raises. And I'll usually do maybe between 10 and 12 and then my calves get a really decent burn and then rack it back up and do three or four sets of that. But you can do single leg bent knee calf raises. Um, that does take a little bit of practice. I would practice with double leg first um, just to get the movement right and make sure that you're not doing any trick movements because it is quite an awkward movement if you're not used to it. Uh, once you are used to it, then you can get a dumbbell and start doing single leg ones if you'd wish. You could also do two sets um, of each. You could do two sets of a straight knee, two sets of a bent knee if you wanted that um, variety. Uh, you can do that. Nothing wrong with doing that. Um, okay, progress, like the weight progress, you could do it with a barbell. You could do it with the machine, like I say, the seated bent knee calf raise. Um, you just, you know, change the pin on the, the rack, the weighted rack, and change the weights there. You can use a backpack if you are, if you don't have weights at home and you don't have a gym membership, just get a backpack, just put something heavy in the backpack and progress that way. Um, things you can consider, you can consider the drop, like you could easily do calf raises off a step and just drop the heel down as far as you're willing to, as far as comfortable and then coming back up. Um, but you can have also more control with the depth. Like I say, I use um, the Olympic um, bumper weights and I stand on them. And usually my 10 kilogram bumper weight is about two inches thick or something. So when my toes are off that and when I drop my heels down, my heels only go to the ground, but it's dropping about two inches down. And then I come up into a calf raise and then come back down till my heel hits the ground. And so I'm controlling how the deficit or how far I drop down below that plantar grade, or you could just do none at all. You could just do it from the floor. Um, if you're rehabbing a particular injury, might take a little bit of a tailored approach or professional guidance, but they are things that you can consider. It's just the, the degree of the drop. The other thing you can consider is the tempo of the exercise. Um, particularly with end stage tendon rehab like Achilles or plantar fascia, those sort of um, issues. Or if you want to just slowly start incorporating more plyometric stuff, uh, you can do calf raises to a metronome. So if you get a metronome that's about, you know, 
110 beats per minute. Maybe if I get my metronome up here and you can just appreciate like the timing, unless you're listening to this at, you know, one and a half time speed, maybe just go to normal time speed. Um, but if I get my metronome and put it to 110 beats per minute, if you are doing a calf raise to that tempo, it's going to get quite tough quite quickly, especially if you try and touch the ground. But then if you start increasing it to say 120, 125, it starts to get to a point where you almost have to start bouncing on to get to the, to catch up or um, stay in tempo with that particular um, 125 beats per minute. And once you start getting to that bouncing and then you increase it further, you're starting to get a little bit more plyometric. You're starting to get a little bit more bounce and the tendons are going to start becoming more accustomed to that power or that plyometric. So you can play around with that variety a little bit more. Um, and then if you want to take that plyometric one step further, you can do skipping or jump rope for my North American friends. Um, you can do pogo jumps. So Jump rope is just, you know, jumping over the rope and uh, most people are familiar with that. Pogo jumps are a little bit more um, for height. So you jump a little bit higher without a rope. You jump a little bit higher. And then when you land, you try and have a really short contact time, try and be really quick and then just launch with a, a higher sort of jump. So as opposed to skipping or jump rope, you're sort of doing these little quick fast contact times, but just getting really short jumps. The pogo jumps are a little bit more aggressive and a little bit higher. And that that's really end stage. That's like elite performance, hill sprints, really wanting to um, get as much out of the calves and the Achilles as possible. And like I said, if you're doing skipping or jump rope, just make sure you'd have really quick contact times, um, really train the tendons for a lot of stiffness. Um, so that's it. That's it for calf raises. You've got the double leg, single leg. You've got the bent knee. You've got the straight knee. <laughs> um, you've got the bent knee seated or you've got the bent knee standing. Um, and then you've got all those other variables with the amount of drop or the tempo or the weight, um, all of those sort of progressions. So keep that in mind. Like I say, for general running performance, you want to go slow and heavy most of the time. About 15 percent of the time you can do some plyometrics um, that will you know just be a little add-on but you want a really nice base with the slow heavy stuff first um, so just a bit of a recap I did a recap with the squats but the deadlifts you have the Romanian deadlift or your traditional or your sumo deadlifts you can control the range of movement the speed or you could do some power stuff with some kettlebell swings the lunges we can do static we can do front we can do back step we can do walking lunges um, and then we can progress with some Bulgarian split squats or some plyo lunges um, and then the calf raises. So keep that in mind. I hope this was had enough sort of suggestions or ideas or varieties that you can go and start taking things away and applying in your strength and conditioning. Hopefully it's twice a week uh, and yeah, start becoming a little bit more enjoyable um, if it is getting boring, if it's getting too easy or getting too hard, maybe time to switch it up because we want you to adhere to the strength and conditioning because we do know the benefits of reaps when it comes to running performance. So hopefully you enjoyed. So thanks patrons and we'll catch you in the next episode.
And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.